Good morning, Maple Grove. And what a, an honor and a privilege it should be for us to, to gather and celebrate the one who is worthy of every song we could ever sing, worthy of every praise we could ever bring, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, to celebrate the God who takes broken vessels and puts them back together again, the God of whom the psalmist says in Psalm 33, let the whole earth tremble before the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the earth stand in awe of him. For he spoke and he came into being. He commanded and he came into existence. Let the whole earth tremble before the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world, that would include us in this room, right? Stand in awe of him. He's so good and so amazing and so great and so full of love, and so full of mercy, he spoke, and it, and those two letters mean everything. He spoke, and it came into being. He commanded it, and it came into existence. That's why we're here, and that's what we're here for, right? You're not here for me. I'm not here for you. You're not here for the person next to you. You're here because of him, because of who he is. Get it? Good. Well, last week we wrapped up our series, Overcome, and it was a great series. Uh, we talked about reversing anxiety. We talked about moving beyond insecurity. We talked about getting overhurt. Last week we talked about making fear our friend, and, and, and it was a great series. I mean, a lot of people came up to me and said, hey, this is really impacting their life, and you should keep this thing going, and I said, no, this is a four-week series. I made a commitment. It's four weeks, and then on Tuesday morning, I woke up at 4 a.m., and I couldn't get back to sleep, and I got up, and I just felt this wave of discouragement start pressing down on me, and I couldn't nail down what it was. I just felt discouraged, and I started praying. I go, Lord, I'm feeling discouraged right now. Would you help me to overcome it? <laughs> and as soon as I said that word, I felt him say, yes, I will. And Steve, you need to extend the series because there will be people this Sunday at the Grove who need to hear what I'm going to say to you and through you. And I listened. <laughs> I paid attention. And so the series has been extended. Today we're going to talk about overcoming discouragement and the message I'm calling, what are you looking at? <laughs> uh, next week we're going to talk about a grace disguise. We're going to talk about loss. Talk about hurt, that's people offending you. Next week is about loss. And, and then on following week, I'm not tapping out, overcoming temptation. And then um, getting over yourself or getting over you. Okay, let's do this. What you looking at? Overcoming discouragement. Look at three people and say, what you looking at? <laughs> what you looking at? What you looking at? What you looking at? All right. And if you're here uh, visiting, we're glad you're here. I, I gave up speaking well and smoothly a long, long time ago. Uh, that is Saul's armor, and it don't fit me, right? This is me. This is who I am. Um, 2,000 years ago from a prison cell, Paul wrote the following words. Prison cell. Right? Could have been a discouraging place to be, you think? 
I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do, I can endure, I can make it through all things through him who gives me strength. Father God, we love you. God, may we stand in all of you this morning. You're great and you're awesome. We should tremble at your name. We should tremble at your word. We should tremble at you being in our presence today. God, forgive us sometimes approaching you like some gray-haired guy in the sky when you are God, you are sovereign, you are holy. You hold all things in your hands. You are before all things, over all things. You hold all things together. And God, I pray, God, that you would help me speak to myself about discouragement and speak to your people. May we hear what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, has anyone in this room besides me ever battled discouragement and disappointment? (laughs) Are you battling it now? I mean, do you think there's a, a high probability that the waves of discouragement will crash against your life sometime in the foreseeable future? Yeah. I understand every Jesus follower has a calling. And the noise and lies of the enemy are designed to interrupt, steal, derail, kill, and destroy that calling. Oh, you don't think you have a calling? All right. 2 Timothy 1 verse 9. He has saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Understand, in Christ, you have a calling. You have a holy calling, and it's not because of who you are, it's not because of what you've done, but it's because of his grace. And it's this calling, it's not about you, it's not for you, it's all about him and all about his purposes. Look three people to eye and tell them, I have a calling. I have a calling. I have a calling. And speaking of calling, I need to silence my cell phone. <laughs> Only God gets through right now. Everybody else has to wait. <laughs> and, and here's the deal. If we're ever going to answer to that calling, if we're ever going to live the life that God created us to live, we're going to have to figure out, right, how to overcome the onslaughts of discouragement. Hey, here, here's my definition of discouragement. It's the gap between what we expect and what we actually experience. Discouragement, it's this expectation gap. And it can show up in countless ways. Uh, We want something and we can't seem to be able to get it. Or we want something and we get it. We get that job. We get that relationship. We get that promotion. We get that opportunity. However, it doesn't turn out to be everything we thought it would be. Uh, Discouragement can set in because of what other people say or don't say. What they do or don't do. It can be set off by something big or small, something small to us, or big to us and small to other people. Discouragement is this depressed feeling of being overwhelmed, being frustrated, being stuck. Discouragement is feeling like you're climbing a mountain, you get to the top, and you're expecting to see something great, and all you see is a bunch of other mountains that you still have to climb up. It's a feeling that the dream that you want and are striving for will always be out of your reach. It's the feeling you get when the test results come back and they weren't what you were hoping for. And listen, discouragement can hit us hard when you're winning 
or it's when you're losing. Uh, sometimes discouragement comes upon you like a tsunami, and other times it is just this incessant drip of unmet expectation that never seems to go away. But regardless of how it arrives, and it will arrive, I mean, unmet expectations are inevitable in this falling and broken world. Regardless of how it arrives, discouragement always displaces hope and leaves us feeling like this. It's not working. So what's the point? I mean, it's one thing, right, to put in your blood, your sweat, and your tears and get results. But going through all that, and there seems to be no results, no purpose, no progress, when nothing seems to change. Listen, this is the environment where discouragement is born and where it thrives. It's not working. So what's the point? Again, it's not pouring ourselves out for a noble cause that depletes and drains us. No, what depletes and drains us is giving something a job, a relationship, a, a ministry, a, a project, a class, a, a child, everything we have and seeming to get nothing back in return. It's this expectation gap. It makes you feel those seven words. It's not working. What's the point? Question, you ever felt that way? About your marriage? About a relationship? About your job? About your ministry? About your parenting? About your diet? about your exercise program, about some goal, about a dream you've been striving for for years, you've been striving towards for years and you're still not there. It's not working. So what's the point? Listen, whenever we find ourselves in this gap between what we expected and what we're experiencing, we need to remember what God said through Paul. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can endure all things, right? This is not talking about, you know what, I, I can run the mile in six minutes. That's not what he's talking about. Context is king, church, right? And the context is, man, I'm going through some stuff, and it's hard, and it's difficult. Sometimes it's not so bad, but sometimes it's crushing. But you know what? I can get through that, not on my own strength, but I can through him who gives me strength. I, I, I can endure that need. I can endure that one. I can endure that hunger. And, and here's how I, I want to attack and unpack this conversation. I want to talk about the reality and the looks, the reality. And just like with insecurity, fear, anxiety, and hurt, discouragement is everybody's battle. And I want to make two things clear right out of the gate. Number one, feeling or being discouraged does not make you a spiritual wimp or a spiritual lightweight. It makes you a human being. Get it? Good. And feeling and being discouraged does not mean that you have denied your faith. Yet those are exactly the kind of lies that your enemy will whisper in your ear. Seriously, right? Man, what kind of Christian are you? I mean, I saw you singing in church. <laughs> and now you're so bummed out and depressed? It must all be fake. It can't be real. You can't really believe all that stuff, act, not acting the way you're acting. And how in the world would God ever want to use a spiritual lightweight like you? He'll never use you. You ever hear noise like that? If so, here's the deal. You've been lied to. Because feeling and being discouraged does not mean you're a spiritual wimp 
It does not mean that God cannot use you to do something significant, something that matters. After all, just about every single person we see in the Bible battled discouragement. Apostle Paul wrote half of the books in the New Testament was, in my opinion, the greatest Christian, greatest Jesus follower that ever walked the planet. Here's what he said. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about how awesome life has been for us. How we sit around the campfires and make s'mores and sing kumbaya, right? So, no, that's not what he says. Think you ought to know, brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed. Same guy who wrote, I can do, right? Beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. This is courage. John the Baptist battle of discouragement, Matthew writes. John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about all these things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? You see, as John the Baptist sat in that, that prison, he became discouraged and disappointed and became confused. Like, wait, wait a second, cousin. I went out and, and I announced you're the Messiah, and I said the kingdom was at hand. And we're talking about captives being set free? Then why in the world am I your front runner sitting in a prison cell locked up? I don't get it. Doesn't make sense. It's not what I expected. Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the death hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And here's the kicker. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. In other words, blessed is the person who can stand in the gap and stay in the gap of disappointment and discouragement and not turn away from me and still trust me in the gap and still trust that I am good and not walk away from me. The one who can do that is blessed. The one who can do that, I will pour my favor out on him. Elijah had a massive bout with discouragement right after his great victory, right? He went against 950 false prophets and he won. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. Now he'd killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah. I mean, she is blowing up his social media. It's everywhere, right? It, it's on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and whatever, Graham, right? It's everywhere. And here's a message. May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. I mean, he's thinking, hey, I won the championship. Elijah, what are you going to do now? I'm going to Disney World, right? No, he, he and instead, she still wants to kill him. After this great victory, nothing has changed. Elijah was afraid, ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Some of you are there right now. Had enough. And let me point out another lie that Christians put on T-shirts and talk about. It's a lie. The Lord won't give you more than you can handle. Show me that in the Bible. Book, chapter, and verse. That's a lie. That's not in there. You think when people are executed for the faith, that seems a little bit much to me. 
when they're burned at the stake, when early Christians were fed to the lions, I think that was a little bit the handle. That's not in the Bible, okay? It's just not true. Now, God will be with you, but that's just a lie. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. He expected he'd be better, right? Yeah, they messed up. They couldn't follow through, but not me. They turned away, lost their faith, but not me. David, my goodness, David. I love David. I love reading David's journals called the Psalms. And, and you can read that like, man, you need some medication. Or you need a counselor, David. <laughs> you need some anger management at times too. More than once he cried out, my soul is downcast within me. I'm so discouraged. I'm so bummed out. And it's not surface, it's deep, it's penetrating. Joshua battled discouragement. Had the great victory at Jericho, and then he loses at the battle of Ai, and he says this, oh, sovereign Lord, why? That's the, that's the three-letter word, right? Why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you're only going to let the Amorites kill us? If only been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan, to stay in the desert, in the wilderness, wandering around. It's not working. What's the point? And the point I'm trying to drive home is that everybody feels discouragement at one time or another. And, and here's the deal. I, I, I want to unpack some powerful weapons, divine weapons, biblical truth, that will help you push, help me push against the tide of discouragement. And if you know a pastor, ever been a pastor, you know pastors, we, we battle discouragement on a, on a daily basis, you know. It, it, it. So just every now and then, if you ever think about me, throw up a prayer, because I could be battling discouragement, right? It, it's hard. It's hard. It's difficult. I, I don't know if I should have said that or not, but just being real. All right. Uh, and here's the truth, right? For me too. You know, that, that if you walked into this room this morning, downcast, discouraged, feeling like it's not worth it, so what's the point? Get ready, because if you open up your heart, minds, and eyes, you will not be walking out the same way. Hear what I'm saying? You don't have to walk out the same way. I don't have to walk out the same way. What you looking at? <laughs> Understand, when you're standing in the gap and feeling the waves of discouragement begin to sweep over you, you first need to look up. That's what David did. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? That was me, 4 a.m. Tuesday. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior, my God. Now I'm deeply discouraged, but I will remember you. See, David looks up and he says, God, I will remember you. I will remember who you are. I will remember your greatness. I will remember your goodness, your power. I will remember your majesty. I will remember your sovereignty and your promises. David, he looked up. In chapter 20 of Second Chronicles, it's like one of my favorite chapters, the Old Testament, and really illustrates this idea of what happens when we look up and turn to God when the armies of discouragement come our way. Brief backstory, God's people, they've been fighting for years, and they win one fight, and they think it's over, and, and they find out that was just a battle, and the war continues. And as chapter 20 opens up in Second Chronicles, a bunch of different nations have united, and now they formed a massive army, and they are waiting on their way to attack Judah to destroy them. The king Jehoshaphat, good name if you're about to have a child, right? Jehoshaphat. I see that all the time at the 
gift stores, right? One of those little key tags and cuffs. Jehoshaphat. <laughs> uh, the king, Jehoshaphat, the people, they're terrified. They're discouraged. You know what they did? They looked up. Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news. And he begged the Lord for guidance. It's also good to be king. He also ordered everyone in Judah to what? Begin fasting. He says, I'm looking up and I'm making sure everybody's looking up. And the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard. And he prayed, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty and no one can stand against you. Listen, to beat back discouragement, we need to look up and remember who our God is. Our God is great. Our God is powerful. Our God is mighty. Our God is the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. Our God is good. Our God is faithful. And no one, nothing, not even your discouragement can stand up against him. Amen? Amen. Thank you, God. So when you're standing in the gap of discouragement, you need to look up and remember, you're not standing there alone. Your God is standing there with you. Lord, this, this fast army, it's too big for me. And they're marching, and I can hear it coming. But it's not too big for you. And next, you need to look back and see the faithfulness of your God. And that's what Jehoshaphat does. He says this. The army's approaching the city. He's still there praying. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land? When your people, Israel, arrived, and did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? See what he's doing? He's looking back. God, did you not do this? Did you not give us this land? Did you not bring us here? And listen, every one of us in this room have an, oh my God, did you not? God, did you not get me through that divorce? God, did you not get me through that financial crisis? God, did you not give me that child after so many years? God, did you not help me move on after I lost my loved one? God, did you not pick me up when I fell? God, did you not fill me up when I was dry? Did not, God, did you not restore and heal what I thought would forever be broken? I look back. That's one of the things I love about about keeping a journal, I got so many of them, I don't know what I have to do with them. And because I can look back and say, dude, you're freaking out now. You use the same words you used to freak out 10 years ago. And you're like, God took care of that. Look back. Then you need to look out. Look out. Bad chatter corrupts good courage. And what I'm trying to say here is, The devil's not, never going to stop lying to you, but sometimes we do things and have things in our life, we're inviting him in. Look out. You may be inviting discouragement into your life. You track it with me? Like, look out. Identify. Like, 
Are there some people you just need to filter out your life? <laughs> uh, what about TV and books that present to you an unrealistic picture of what life is about? What about social media? Like I said so many times before, it can be such a discouragement trap to constantly compare your behind-the-scenes life with everybody else's highlight reel. Understand, comparison always leads to discouragement and discontentment. And listen, here's what the enemy often does with it. Um, he uses comparison to cause you to put a fake, false, not from God expectation on your life. You're like, oh, my friend just wrote a book. Awesome, they wrote a book. Well, I guess I'm supposed to write a book. If I write a book, I'm a failure. You know, my friend just did this. They just did that, right? Remember what I said? You know, you know, they're not your measuring stick, right? You don't have to be them, but that's what he does. Now you got this false expectation, not even one you put on yourself. False expectation. You got to meet, and if you don't meet it, you're going to be discouraged. On the other hand, gratitude is a discouragement killer. And, and, and listen, some of us, hear me, need to start being grateful again for blessings God has given us and for prayers that he's answered because all we do now is complain about those very things. I mean, we prayed for a child, we prayed for a spouse, we prayed for a home, we prayed for a job, we prayed for that promotion, we prayed to get into that college, and now all we do is complain because our spouse leaves their uh, socks on the floor and because they want us to come home and, and just listen See how their day went. Or because the job's harder than you thought. Or the class is harder than you thought. Listen, some people out there would love to have a child. They would love to have a spouse. They would love to have that opportunity. See, gratitude is a discouragement killer. And if you're discouraged, I would just encourage you to, every day, do two a days. What are two things you're grateful for. See, if that, see what happens, right? What are you grateful for? And, and then you need to install this filter in your mind that Paul talked about, right? Because you're looking out, what do I want to let in my mind? I don't want to invite something in that's just going to lead me to discouragement. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's true, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Next, you need to look beyond, beyond yourself. It's not about you. And if you keep making your life about you, if your work is about you, if church is all about you, if your, if your home is all about you, and your marriage is all about you, you're going to have a lot of reasons to be discouraged. But when you remember that you're a part of a bigger story, an eternal story, one that's going quite well, there's less opportunities for discouragement. And your discouragement, look beyond. Look beyond yourself and, and look to other people. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Proverbs eleven twenty five: The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Question, can you use some refreshing in your life? There's the answer. Go out and refresh somebody else. Go out and pour your life into somebody else and see what happens. We need to look beyond. And it's been proven, right, that, that people who volunteer and serve others 
or happier and more content. Those are not. Maybe Jesus wasn't lying when he said in Acts 20, verse 35, when Paul says, if I've been a constant example of how you can help those in need by working hard, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. It's more blessed to give than receive. You see, discouragement tends to make us so self-centered, right? And that's what happened to Elijah. He became so self-centered, right? He had that major bout with discouragement. And then God gives him some time to rest, to take a nap, to hear a voice. And here's just a quick sidebar. Not in a odd way necessarily, but I have a word from the Lord from somebody in this room, maybe a couple. You need to get some rest. Because the reason you become discouraged so quickly and so easily is because you're so worn out and exhausted. You think Elijah was exhausted after taking on 950 prophets in a cage match? You think he was worn out and tired? You think that made it easier for him to feel discouraged? So God said, hey, take a nap, get some rest. But eventually he said to him, he even delivered some food to the cave. Eventually he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? If you're discouraged, that's a great question to ask. What are you doing here? What are you doing here, Steve? What are you doing in this guy? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. Right? He's just, you know, complaint, 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 whine, 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 right? The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint King Haziel, king of Aram, anoint Jehu, king of Nimshi, king of Israel, and anoint Elisha. So he says, hey, I got a couple guys, kings you need to anoint, and I got a, a prophet you need to anoint as your successor. In other words, do what? Get back on mission. There's a time for rest, and there's, and there's a time to get out of the bed and get back on mission, right? And, and, and stop wallowing in your own discouragement. Yeah, a time for rest, but there's a time to get out of there, right? Kick off the blankets and start doing what you know you're supposed to be doing. As a Jesus follower, we know our mission, right? Seek the lost, Right? Is there any lost people you know that need Jesus? Make disciples? Or, or is there another brother or sister that maybe you could pour your life into that you could help them to, to be a better husband, a, a better wife, a better parent, a better student, a better person? What about compassion? Is there anybody in the city of Charlottesville you think that could use some help? Could use some encouragement? Look, you need to look beyond yourself. And we have a great opportunity coming up, right? Spring break camp. That's what that's about. Believe when I tell you, you know, uh, a lot of times I'll say, if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be living a different life, right? If it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't be doing a spring break camp. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be at, at, at the beach, right? I'm just, I'm just being real, you know? I'd rather be somewhere else than, than eight to five every day for a whole week on spring break, right? I really would. But guess what? It's not about me. And guess what? Every time I feel that way going in and every time it's over, I feel so encouraged. You're talking children. That's a Jesus, right? Let the little children come to me, right? And yeah, guess what? You'll be tired. It's not a party. It's work. When a little kid hugs you, 
A little kid sees you somewhere at food line and recognizes you from spring break camp. I mean, we're doing this totally free. You know, we already got 50 plus kids registered already in our community, right? I mean, it, it takes a lot of people to pull this off, you know, and, and, and it's not about you. And so maybe if you're discouraged, you know what? Kick off the blankets and do something. Amen? Amen. Feeling good? <laughs> I, I tell you, this stuff works because it's, it's, it's Bible, right? Then you need to look around. And basically, this is where you look around your life and say, hey, who do you have in your life that can encourage you? Right? Because we can't do this alone. Those who try to live this life alone, it don't work so good. Right? Dr. Phil would say, how's that working for you? Right? It's not. The Bible says two people are better, than, better off than one, for they can help each other out. If one person falls the other can reach out and help, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. How sad. Likewise, two people lying together can keep warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for triple braided cord is not easily broken. Bottom line, we need people in our life that can encourage us. You know, I have some. You know, I had a discouraging week. You know, Tuesday I was discouraged. Wednesday I saw a letter in my mailbox for someone. And there's a lady in this church who just loves to write me letters. She's a good writer too, you know, that just, just dumps the encouragement on me, right? And, and, and man, it's like, whenever I see it, it's like, okay, I hope it's a good one, right? Because, you know, if you're a pastor, there's times in your life as a pastor where some people think you're awesome. And the very same people four years later think you're like the devil, right? So I always wonder, is that... Wait, is a page turn? It's like, no, she still likes me and she wants to encourage me and she loves me and this is good, right? It's awesome. And, 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 and we need to be that in other people's lives. And there's something I've been throwing out through text and Facebook. You may have seen it. I, I'm just calling it uh, Three Text Challenge Thursday. And this is when every Thursday you text three different people just a word of encouragement. You know, the Bible says when they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Just three texts every Thursday. When I do it, you know what I feel after I've done it? Guess what I feel? I feel encouraged. And I've had people tell me that they've encouraged somebody and it came just at the right moment when that person was so down. So I just challenge you. you Every Thursday, shoot out three texts and say, Holy Spirit, who on this, who on my contact list really needs encouragement right now? Help me to know. And boy, you send that sucker out and and that just will be life you just poured in somebody else. And we need to look ahead. And, and, and uh, you're not always going to be where you are. And even when you're still where you are, like John the Baptist in prison, you don't have to still be who you are where you are. You don't still have to be down, defeated, disappointed, depressed, and discouraged. The key is to look ahead, because discouragement is not your final resting place. It's not your final resting place. When I was at, in the Navy in the shipyard at Newport News, I, I went to church in Lebanon Church of Christ, and Sharon Parrish, um, the minister's wife, always used to say, this too shall pass, right? It will. It's hard and it's difficult, right? It'll pass. Everything's going to pass one day, right? And... and, and and here's what, here's the truth we need to hold on to. Um, 
Don't let what you expected keep you from what God wants you to experience. Because in the gap, God wants you to experience something, not just misery. (laughs) You see, believing in God means assuming that he's always working, even when our eyes can't see. Even when our faith and our prayers and our efforts seem to be not working at all. Faith is believing that God causes all things to work together for good. And realizing this opens up our hearts and minds to accept whatever God allows in each season of our life. Okay, God I, I, God, God, I know you're doing something. It's who you are. You can't help yourself, but I can't see it. And I don't feel it. So much about what's happening, I do not like, and it does not make sense. But I know you, and I know that you are good all the time. And I know that you're always up to something. That's why I know that there's something going on more than just my discouragement, more than just my depression. So I will not let what I expect and want keep me from experiencing what you want me to experience. God's always up to something, even if it doesn't look like it. So don't quit on six. Walls of Jericho, right? You know the story. Heard in Sunday school, we all know it. Six times around one day, guess what? Everything looks the same. I mean, six days, one time around. Day seven, six times around. That's 12 times around. Nothing moved, nothing changed. What if they stopped on six? They'd have missed out. How many times have we missed out? Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. We need to look ahead. And Jesus told us in John 14, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it, weren't, if it wasn't the truth, I wouldn't have told you. And I'm going there, and I'm preparing a place for you. When everything is ready, I'm going to come back to get you so that you can be with me where I am forever. Look ahead. One final look, and that's to look in. And this is where we ask ourselves some honest questions. We ask, why am I so discouraged? Why does discouragement come so easily for me? And what do I need to do differently, right? The definition of insanity Uh, The definition of ongoing uh, discouragement, keep doing what you're doing. That's what I can guarantee. If you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep being discouraged. If you don't change anything, you don't do anything differently, welcome to a lot more discouragement. You see, we have some ownership in this, right? I mean, God God feeds the birds of the air, but they still got to dig for worms, right? They don't like hanging a nest open their mouth and God just drops in, rain downs worms from the sky, Right? There's some things that you need to do. You need to be honest. What do I need to do differently? So that I can build a strong inside that can weather the ways of discouragement. Maybe it's being in church every week. Maybe it's joining a life group. Maybe it's getting some rest. Maybe it's asking for help. Maybe it's asking for prayer. Maybe it's going to the ladies' Bible studies. Maybe it's reading your Bible and spending more time in the Word, building your relationship with God. You know, we're starting something on 
Wednesday, the 27th, um, it's going to be the second and fourth Wednesday, I'm calling it 2215, from 630 to 8, just two times a month, and it's based on 2 Timothy 2.15, do your best to present yourself to God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, but who correctly handles the word of life. And for 90 minutes, twice a month, I'm going to do some Bible study, you know, and, and you're welcome to join in on that. Uh, maybe it means you, maybe there's some things you need to remove from your life, right? Because they're just feeding your discouragement. What you looking at? Understand, God brought some of you here today to say, look up and remember who I am. Some of you brought here to say, hey, look back. Look back and see and remember what I've done for you in the past. Some is, look out, look out. You are inviting things into your life that are feeding your discouragement. Some, look beyond. You're too self-focused in your disappointment and depression. Kick the blankets off, get out of bed, and serve somebody else. Get back on mission. Some, hey, look around. You've been trying to do this by yourself, keeping your hurt, your pain, your disappointment, your struggles all to yourself. Look around, invite someone into your life. Maybe sign up to be in a life group. We'll find a home for you, guaranteed. Look in. What do you need to start doing differently? I, I, I want to finish the story in Second Chronicles. And let me let you in a little secret, and, and, and I, didn't, I didn't make the cut today. Uh, we have children's ministry, you're welcome to volunteer, and, and I have a rule that I've established because of a children's worker that I got a time I got to hit in order to be able to have my very last song. I did make it. I did make it. And sometimes I want to make it, and, and, uh, and I'll go real fast. Like one time for communion, I, I, I so, so dishonored God because I wanted to sing the last song. I just go, hey, communion's off to the side. And that was it. <laughs> and Hannah goes, and Laurie goes, did you do that because you wanted to sing the last song? I go, yeah, well, that's really not good. Um, and, and so, so today we're going to, I, I got to tell you the end of the story in Second Chronicles. I just got to tell you that because it's so cool. And we're going to take communion. We're singing a song, take communion, and then we'll pray afterwards. Say, I'm sorry you don't have the last song. It's called Resurrecting. You can go to YouTube or Google it or iTunes, and you can listen to it on your own. But let me finish the story. So they're in the temple praying. And Joseph, he continues his prayer. It's so good. Please hear it. Whenever we're faced with calamity such as war, plague, or famine, we come to stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We cry out to you to save us, and you will hear us. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. We don't know what to do, but we're looking to you for help. And all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones and their wives and their children. The Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions and stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem and Maple Grove. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. 
Then King Jehoshaphat bowed down low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very, I love loud, very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehovah stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you'll be able to stand firm. Believe in the prophets, and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army. All right, praise team. There's an army wanting to kill us. Get out there with your guitars. Singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. Even though there's a vast army. Even though I'm so discouraged and depressed. Because his faithful love endures forever. And so they marched out to face what has so terrified them. And as they began to sing, God began to move. And he caused their entire army, those different nations, to fight each other. And so that when Israel got to the valley, looked down, they were already dead. <laughs> and, and it took them three days to collect all the, all the plunder. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing to this day. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat, leading them overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over their enemies. They marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps, lyres, trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of the Lord. And here's what I'm telling you. Telling me too. <laughs> do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged about what is coming against you, but march against it by looking up, by looking back, by looking out. By looking around, by looking ahead, by looking in, and I guarantee you that your discouragement, your situation may not change, sorry, but I guarantee you if you march out against them in the power of the Lord, that your discouragement will lie dead in the valley before you. I guarantee it. Amen? Because that's who our God is, and that's what our God does. All right, I'm going to pray, and... Uh, Hey, praise team, let's do resurrecting after the, after the sermon, okay? You guys are awesome. Slide people. Father, wow. God, thank you for your truth. God, thank you for the testimony of Jehoshaphat and the people of Jerusalem and Judea who looked up and saw a great victory. And God, I pray for each of us in this room, God. There are some people discouraged, God, and I pray that they'll look in. And that they'll do something different, Lord. And if it's looking beyond, if it's looking around, if it's looking out, God, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, just help them do that. God, and help them to know, help me to know uh, that that we worship a God who raises the dead. Uh, We worship a God who can resurrect us from our discouragement and give us life. In Jesus' name, amen.